Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we're talking education again, intimate and interactive this March 2021. But we'll get into that with Wendy Kaplan and Craig Fox in about two seconds here. But before we do, Greg, we got to go light thing, right thing. Come on, man. Satco, S-A-T-C-O dot com. That's right. As a commercial lighting distributor, sometimes you get requests for decorative fixtures. And I don't have a showroom here. So what do I want to do? I send them to a website and I send them to Satco Nouveau because they've got everything for decorative fixtures. Chandeliers, close to ceiling, outdoor, island pendant, mini pendant, pendant, wall fixture. Even lets you select your finish, your size, and your light source incandescent then you can screw an led in nice and easy go to satco.com that's s-a-t-c-o.com they do the light thing they do the right thing and of course proud members of the national association of innovative lighting distributors that's n-a-i-l-d.org but right now we're talking education on the get a grip on lighting podcast what's happening wendy and craig hey mike hey greg how are you doing good yeah Made it through another show. Yeah, you know, we're doing it. We're doing, trying to do our thing here. So tell us quickly, let's start it off, Craig. Tell us a little bit more about ETC, um, Electronic Theater Controls. What do you do there? So uh, ETC is a manufacturer of uh, lighting controls and lighting fixtures for both entertainment and architectural. And then as well as we have, you know, moving lights, the flash and trash stuff that you would see at concerts and, uh, and things like that. Uh, but we focus primarily on lighting controls, and my focus at ETC is everything and anything architectural and commercial. Hospitals, you know, office complexes, college campuses, restaurants, bars, exterior, you name it, we control it. Wendy, what's going on over at Felix? What do you do for them? We're, uh, I'm the Northeast Regional Manager. We are a fixture manufacturer. Um, we specialize in small size linear products. We've been around for 30 some odd years. So we're not one of these new startup LED companies. We're a global company and we participate in almost all of the commercial and residential markets as well because our product is so versatile. Greg, what are you doing over there at Premier Lighting? <laughs> I think the right audience knows by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Recording podcasts and selling light bulbs. Um, Craig, we uh, we happened to sit next to you, Michael and I, randomly at what an IES convention? When was that? A <laughs> hundred years yeah, ago. It feels like it doesn't. <laughs> um, macro. We were at the IES National Conference annual conference. Well, I guess it was two a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago. Really, I don't. Yeah. Who knows? Um, twenty nineteen. It was uh, August twenty nineteen in there St. You Louis. Go. Yeah, in St. Like Louis. Like I said, yeah. a thousand years ago. Yep. Um, and uh, I think no, I think it was in uh, Louisville. It was yes, in Louisville. Louisville. Yes. I might have had a. I might have had a bourbon there. I don't know. Terrific. But uh, uh, yeah, we. You you asked about doing this for education all those months and years ago. And I said, sure, why not? And then here we are. Yeah, it was random. We were in a, in the presentation on, was it a, it was something where we were looking at, I can't remember darkness or what were we doing there? Flicker? What was it? Glare. Glare. It was glare. glare. That was it. It was a scientific experiment on glare that we participated in. That's right. And there were six people in the room and we just said, Hey, do you know anything about education? You said, I just so happened to, be very involved in education, and that's where 
you know, it took yeah. a little while to get us all on, but so what do you do for education? Why are you volunteering for them? I ask myself that every day, Greg. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, this has been great for years now. Uh, I, along with Wendy, were the co-chairs of the uh, presentations subcommittee within the Education Committee. And we, uh, well, we do everything. <laughs> we uh, put out a call for speakers with our marketing and PR team. We go through all of the submissions, which lately, the past few years, we've been getting uh, somewhere between 135 and 150 submissions. We go through them all. We call out the best. And, and I have to say that, you know, once you get past all the life coaches that want to speak everywhere, uh, we get the cream of the crop that come in to want to speak at Education. And that actually becomes a problem for us because we have to figure out who's the best of the best of the best. And that's where, how about you, Wendy? Why did you volunteer your time to help Craig with this? Narrow it down? No, actually it's the reverse. <laughs> reverse. <laughs> I got roped in and the second Education, Education 2, which I don't even remember what year it was. And we used to have, you know, two, three, four, five, six speakers. And as the show grew, I realized I needed somebody competent and fun to help out. And Craig was a really good selection. We've worked very well together to do this. And uh, it's grown so much. The call for speakers, we used to have to call. When we first started, we would actually call people and ask them to speak. And now we unfortunately have to turn people away. Good talks because we just don't have the rooms. We don't have the space. Um, it's a big change to go to virtual because we've had so many more people attend and it's been great. So what does that process look like when you narrow down, you said between 135 to 150 submissions? And that's after you weed out the ones, like Craig said, that are the life coaches or want to yeah. teach us about how to bank and you know <laughs> all sorts of things. Um, we look at the topics. We try to put the topics into categories so that we don't end up with 12 talks about control or seven talks about uh, projects. And then within that, we narrow it down. The last thing we really look at is who the speakers are because we don't wanna judge it by who are the speakers. We wanna judge it by the content. And um, then we take a look at it and move things around and see who's spoken recently. And there's a lot of variables, Craig? And the actual, you know, the interesting part of that is we are we are turning down colleagues, customers, friends, you know, because it's lighting and it's in, it's the lighting industry, and we've we've all been in the lighting industry for a very long time. Um, but what's kind of nice is mostly people understand, you know, where the line is drawn, right? It's yes, we're a colleague or friend or customer. We try and put together the best program possible every year. And that's actually why Wendy and I both, if I may speak for you for a second, that's actually why we do it. Uh, because Leducation has grown. It's become this fantastic show. Um, it's no longer a New York City show. Sometimes I, I hesitate to call it regional, right? Because we have people coming from all over the country. But we try very hard to put together the best program we can. And According to what people tell us, we're doing a pretty good job. Maybe. <laughs> our, um, our last in-person show, 
every presentation was standing room only, which was great. And then when we switched to virtual, this is our third virtual. I don't know how we're going to accommodate all the people that want to come to the presentations when we go back to a live in-person show because we had 600 people at one of the presentations this past time. So you guys have, you have in-person education. Was it always just one a year? And then when did virtual start? I know, did it start right at COVID or were you doing virtual before that? Right okay. at COVID. Like right at COVID because we were scheduled. Yeah. Our show was... Um, it's the one year more... anniversary of the cancellation of your last show. Correct. Postponement. 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 <laughs> That's a better term. Well, because we... I remember distinctly, I was driving from a customer uh, at the far end of my territory and I'm driving back from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to New York. And I spent most of that drive on the phone on teleconferences with our full committee, full committee, which is six people, uh, maybe seven, um, talking about what we're gonna do. And it was March 6th as I was doing that drive from Pittsburgh. And we spent all day on the phone figuring out what we were going to do. How are we going to put together a virtual presentation? Oh, and by the way, what's a virtual presentation, right? Like we had, nobody knew anything. We got a show manager involved. It was, but we did it. And now it's kind of streamlined. We, Wendy and I still do the same thing that we do, but instead of running around like lunatics, you know, through the hotel from room to room, our show manager took a, a much greater role with his staff and, you know, ran the digital, the virtual presentations. Crazy. So why have you guys done three? It's only been a year. Why not just do one a year? Wait. We had, uh, we did the virtual one because we already had the speakers and we had hoped on knowing that we would be able to do an in-person show in August. We already had a commitment with the hotel. We already had all of the booths. We already had a lot of the speakers. And so we felt that we should do another show. Um, the same thing is happening this year because we had already committed to do a show in March. And now we're hoping to be able to do an in-person show in August. And uh, we still don't know. Right. I mean, there's just no way to know yet. Right. And we were trying hard, like, you know, we talked about how to not oversaturate all of our potential attendees who are already oversaturated with, you know, 15 Zooms a day. Who knew what Zoom was? 15 Zooms a day or Microsoft Teams or whatever we're doing. And, you know, how do you do that? So the, you know, kind of the, the blessing in disguise was, yeah, we're doing two of them in 2021 so that we could accommodate, you know, 10 presentations, 10 good speakers, just, you know, just the other week, not oversaturate people. We could do five a day and five a day is reasonable. People can work. People cannot miss the beginnings of one because they were on another one. They have to log back in, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, we kind of who knows what the restrictions are going to be or not in August. It may be a hybrid. We, we're, we're not sure. And with all of your presentations, is this content, the virtual ones, is it on demand after the fact or is it only during the show? The presentations get posted after the fact. We try not to post them during the show 
although sometimes they get posted during the show, but uh, they are posted after the fact so people can review them. If a meeting came up or they couldn't get there or something came up, um, the credits, the AIA credits, you have to attend the show, the uh, presentation live, but CEU credits, those are self-certifying. So you can go ahead and self-certify yourself and watch the presentations after the fact. So do you think going forward, you guys envision education as a two time per year event, whether it's virtual or online or in person? I don't know. Okay. Are you sure <laughs> to be um, Greg? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think um, all, all, well, all things being equal, I would hope that it's a one time a year thing and it's, you know, the big focus in the industry of that month. And, and, you know, we go back hopefully to some semblance of normalcy. And um, we do, you know, we, Wendy, what were we doing? 33, 32 presentations for a live, you know, normal standard education. Um, and that's what we would all like to go back to someday sooner than later, I would think. Uh -huh. So and this year, you guys, yeah. okay. Typically shows aren't done in the summer because people are on vacation. People are getting their children back to school. People are taking their children to college. Um, we weren't, the dates because of all the social distancing, the hotel requirements, we were very limited on dates. So August, July are not our ideal timeframes. We really like doing the show in March. It's a very, very good time frame because it, follows or precedes some other large shows and it's just a very good time frame so new york is like the uh north american epicenter of covid um although some would thanks for bringing that up mike <laughs> no actually it's actually isn't toronto toronto had it long before new york they just didn't know yeah. what it was called well um, you guys are always bleeding edge man well, no, there's the, the fact is that there's there's tons of like Toronto has a huge Chinese community and I'm not going to go back down to this, but they the um, the they probably had COVID in Ontario in October, November and December. And, and long story short, but yeah, in terms of recognizing what it was and, and dealing with it, New York was the epicenter. You guys, though, my question is not on that. But my question is, you guys have always been aggressive in rebooking your show. Right. Way more than other and than the other lighting shows, including ours, the National Association of Nailed Innovation. Um, we've always been very tentative. You guys have always said, no, we're doing it. No, we're doing it. We're doing it. You guys were going to do it last August. Um, now you're going to do it this August. Where does that come from with you guys? Why are you so much more committed to that live event than than other um, other uh, well, associations seem to be? Wendy, can I go first or would you like to go first? Sure. I'll go for it. In my opinion, it's because we built this thing and we haven't sold it to anyone. We're all the six of us on the committee, seven of us are still the parents, right? So it's on us. It's a hundred percent on us in obviously in conjunction with our, our show manager and, and, you know, our, our marketing and PR folks, um, we are solely 100% responsible for it. So speaking for my entire committee, um, there's no way we're going to let any of that slack. That's my opinion. I also think that there's a big hunger and in the industry for people to see new products 
in one collective place. This virtual show, well, the, the, in, the live event, the in-person show was extremely heavily attended because the booths are small, the vendors can only show their best, their brightest, you're not weighed down with wandering through a giant booth to find what's new, what's old. Um, but the lighting designers, they know that, you know, the world hasn't stopped and that there's still innovation going on and they want to see new products. If they can't see it in person, a virtual show is the next best thing. Um, the other thing is that we've also made a commitment to not only our vendors and our speakers, but we have a commitment with the hotel. So we keep trying to move forward and, and complete the show. And we like doing it. That's what good answers. I think, you know, the when we, when we talked education last time, there was a lot of talk of the value of intimacy and the importance of interactions with people um, that, at the show that are, that are non, that are soft, that are softer benefits, like not a hard benefit. Um, none of those, in, I mean, none of those exist virtually for me, at least. I mean, in the podcast world, it's good. Um, you know, these things work, but these are very, what we're doing is saying we're going to take an hour and we're going to have a conversation with one another that's open. It's not like, you know, Greg's giving a presentation and we're sitting here typing questions into a, a possible chance of them being answered at the end by the speaker. So th this is a different venue than a show, a virtual show. But how do you guys, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're thinking about it, um, why is the commitment so firm? I asked you guys that it's your show. You guys are the parents of it. But aren't you a little bit uncertain about this thing going off in New York in August? Sure. Yeah. 100% unsure. You got that right. What? But, what? How are you working? Are you working with the hotel? And they, they have no idea what's happening. And you have no idea what's happening. But still, you're moving forward. Like, I love it. I think it's very courageous. But... Our, uh, we have a we have a strong-willed show manager, a company that we hired some years back. Wendy's laughing at that. Um, he'll laugh at that when he watches this podcast. Um, but he, this is his business, and he has worked with the hotel. He and his team have worked with the hotel constantly. I feel like I heard him say that he talks to the hotel every two or three weeks uh, because things can change, right? How many rooms do we get? What are the restrictions? You know, what are the logistics of it? How many rooms do we need just to have all of our exhibitors participate, right? Because we have a lot of exhibitors. What rooms do Wendy and I have to put on the educational component of education? So the only way to do this is to stay vigilant with it so we all do so your your march 16th and 17th virtual convention that you said was your third one um what does the growth look like over each one has there been growth or has it been steady or what have you looked at in terms of numbers the numbers were astronomical for this virtual presentation and i've heard that the attendance was also very high for people visiting the booths but we had over, we had almost 5,000 people in 10 presentations. I mean, it was huge. And wow. um, yeah, the signups were large. Um, we think that with a virtual show that we can reach people who normally wouldn't be able to travel to see the show if it were an in-person show. 
So if somebody's sitting in Texas or California or France or Korea, they can join in, they can log on and see a virtual presentation. And I think virtual has been great for the presentations. There is, you know, the loss of the seeing and feeling the products themselves. And that's a big, big, big deal. But I think moving forward, we like doing a hybrid idea because it reaches out to so many more people that can't physically attend the show. Yeah. yeah. And I think we learned yeah. some lessons, right? The growth, as you talked about, um, is because we learned some lessons, right? The last time we did the virtual some months ago, um, we did them back to back and we tried to squeeze as many as we could in a reasonable amount of time over a couple of days. And what we learned is the same thing that happens in the in-person presentation happens in the virtual. Nobody wants to go from discussion to discussion to discussion because maybe they have to take some phone calls or maybe they have to check their email or they don't want to miss the end of this one or the beginning of that one, right? So we learned our lesson. We implemented what we learned and suddenly we're seeing four, five, six, seven, eight hundred people, not signups, attendees. But what you miss, you know, you talk about missing, Wendy talks about missing the, the personal interaction or you know, you're touching a product. On our end, there is something to be said for the personal connection, the personal interaction, the feel of the room, the speaker, the presenter is reading the room and adjusting him or herself accordingly. Um, and there's something about the in-person Q&A. You know, there are people that like the anonymity. There are people who like to stand up with their microphone in their hand and ask their question and, you know, because they think they're the smartest guy in the room and that's okay. Um, but that's missing. There are plenty of benefits for doing it virtual. There are plenty of, there's, a, there's a, a big, strong argument for doing it live. And I think Wendy's right. I think we're going to wind up doing some sort of hybrid for our first venture out into the in-person world. I think, I think it's important to note that um, the, whenever you have a catastrophic event like, like this, whatever your opinion on is what happened, um, and there are a lot of opinions on that, um, but there, you know, people, there's leftovers, right? So you said that you learned a lot. So Greg and I, when we were live streaming from shows and recording our podcasts, we were light years ahead of everybody else in terms of use, utilizing video streaming technologies. Now that, that that advantage has evaporated, everybody knows how to do this now. Um, every grandmother knows how to do it, record a Zoom call. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely leveled the playing field in, in that sense. And it's given people access to a technology and something that's never going to change. But I think the existence of this podcast right now, Craig, goes back to a serendipitous meeting at a live show. And I that agree. can we never be replaced. Right. And the starving, the starving for darkness podcast, which is growing very quickly, that we started on the on the dark the darkness issue, um, is goes back to a serendipitous interaction at a live show, where two people met one another, were eating and ate with one another, and then discussed things with one another, and trust was forged, and then a relationship built. You can't do that virtually. It's not, I don't think it's po it's even possible, even if with the most advanced. Um, you know, uh, 3D headsets and all this sort of stuff that's out there. 
So I agree with you that we have to bring it back to live shows because it's essential for people to meet one another. We're, we're, we're a species right. that needs that. And this is an industry that, that is built on these live events. Um, well, and what you just said is exactly right. So this, you know, the starving for darkness among others, you know, we've had uh, a couple of different people over the past few years, um, a couple of whom we all have in common right now. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Can we say names? Sure, yeah. yeah, throw it out there, yeah. yeah so Jane Slade, sure. we've had her as a speaker. I know you know her. Uh, we've had her a number of times. Other people have uh, spoken about various, uh, you know, environmental issues and the, the, the Dark Sky Initiative and, and, you know, outdoor lighting in general. But none of those things might have happened had we not have live events, right? People, you know... Wendy, Wendy's at a conference somewhere and somebody says, are you that Wendy? And she goes, uh, maybe. And then it's, oh, well, yeah, I'm that Wendy. Well, I have this talk I've been thinking about, you know, so do it, submit, tell me what you're talking about. And we've, you know, we've coached people, novices before submission, not so much in what to submit, but yes, you should do this, get out there in public, you know, show the, show your peers in your industry that, you have something to say and we're a great platform to get up and say it. You know, some of the best it. speakers are the ones that are shy to do it. And that's why you're getting rid of all the, like everybody's a life coach now. Oh, you're basically life coach is like a synonym for egotistical narcissist. Okay. Like those, those are synonyms. Okay. I, I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> but you know, some of the people that are really nervous that are nervous to speak, are the ones really, you know, that are need to be encouraged. They're holding on to a lot of good knowledge and uh, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's wonderful that you give them that opportunity. Um, so, all right. I want to, I want to change gears a little bit here and I want you, I want to talk to you a little bit about education content. Now I, 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 you know, I have to confess that I haven't viewed your conference um, online, but how I want to ask you in the beginning, early days of led, when we started this whole led adoption boom there was very little negative talk about leds and then slowly around 2016 we started to see the drip of some of the problems come out flicker was one of the big ones that came out um then you see the the uniform 5000 kelvin at night issue then i uh, infrared spectrum missing starts to slip out and these other issues that start to come out is legication taking these things head on right now are you guys addressing these issues head on we if we have talks that come in that address those issues, we will definitely promote those talks. We, as the presentation chairs, we don't present topics, but when we do put the call out for speakers, we do say, and we're looking for talks on this topic and this topic and this topic and this topic. So if we know something's hot, we will definitely ask, you know, put that in the call for speakers information. Because I think the age of, um, so, you know, 2014 or 15, if someone had mentioned you, mentioned something to you about lighting, it would have been all been energy efficiency based. This is so wonderful for climate change in the environment. And by that conversation, the lighting industry has left that conversation behind. I don't know if the policymakers and the utilities and other in people in the industry have fully said, you know what, lighting has played its role 
in this. There's not really much more we can do. And now we're going to get back to making beauty and we're making, you know, practicality. Is that, is that, do you guys feel that sort of thrust again, Wendy? So I don't agree that the energy thing is over because if you go into, I would say that maybe 50%, because if you go into any drugstore, grocery store, that's not a chain and isn't new. You go into so many restaurants, you're not going to see LEDs still. There is still a huge amount of other lighting being used. Um, there's always going to be issues with different light sources. When you had fluorescent and they switched to the 34 watt lamp, you had flicker then. So flicker's mm -hmm. always been discussed. Then they switched to T8 and there were issues with T8 and then there were issues with T5. And so there's always going to be different lighting things. People will have preferences on color temperatures and on the way that they dim. And so there's always going to be something going on. Right. So I think there's a lot of opportunities, but I think energy is always still there or you wouldn't still have people like the design lighting consortium providing rebates in California, doing their title 24 and their JA8 and you know energy star programs and those are still very active and very ongoing yeah i and think I the to, adoption yeah. let me just make a point on that though the adoption of that last 50 percent is largely inevitable like they they those are good eventually those lights are going to be changed there's absolutely no question about it um you know whether it's right. in the next year or the next five or ten years in five or ten years you're going to see 90 percent or something like that but yes go right. ahead craig where where the art meets the science right? That is still the cutting edge because, mm -hmm. and I have to say that as a controls guy, mm -hmm. energy efficiency, that discussion, that never goes away because no matter what anyone's doing, it's, oh, and I have to be below X mm -hmm. watts per square foot. Okay, great. Oh, and I need this to look really beautiful. How's mm -hmm. your dim curve, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, this list goes on and on, but it's, it's the folks that are able to meld the art and the science of lighting. They'll continue to be successful. There'll be beautiful spaces. There'll be beautiful high-end restaurants or a beautiful hotel lobby or whatever it is that is energy efficient. And by the way, those are the people we want talking at education. So, so speaking of that, what, what was the most popular topic you had this year? And I don't know how you measure that other than maybe attendance, but, or feedback or, or whatever it might be. The only, Wendy, I'm going to actually let you answer this, but the only real metric we have, well, we have two metrics. We have an official metric, which is <laughs> the number, right? The number of attendees. And the unofficial metric is all the people that we talk to after the show that call us and say, that was great. Right. But it's the official metric that we obviously use to gauge what we're going to do next. <laughs> Thanks for letting me answer. Um, there You're was welcome. a real Please lot of right interest. <laughs> there was a lot of interest in residential applications. There was a, we had two programs that were based on um, the environment and they were very, very heavily attended. Healthcare lighting because of the use of LEDs to get rid of germs was very well attended. NGL, which always talks about different controls and things like that, is always well attended. There wasn't any topic that wasn't popular. So 
I think we picked well, and I think the speakers did a fantastic job. Just amazing right. job. I got an email this morning about one of the um, talks still. Yeah, and to that point, it's metrics, uh, they're always difficult. We, we try to figure it out from the podcast side, too, and it's the unofficial ones that matter, I think. You know, you can do all the metrics you want, but unofficial, people like it. That's what you go with. Again, um, you're, so you're circling back to the, the personalization of it all. Yeah, for sure. Now, in August coming up, assuming you have it, I assume you guys, have you started doing call for speakers? What are you going to be looking for? Are you just taking a breath? So we, I'll take this one. We got so many submittals for the last, for this past show that I think that we're going to use those submittals and just pull from there because we had a lot of, we couldn't fit as many people as we would have liked to. And as Craig said, we've learned that maybe less is a little bit more when we're trying to do these types of talks. Since we don't know what the rooms are going to be, we think maybe we're going to have to combine some rooms Whereas we could have put 200 people in a room, now we're gonna to have to combine two rooms and maybe only hold 50 people. So there's a lot of going on. So we'll probably pull from the people that we already have. You know, if it's possible, um, I'd love to see a format at Lightfair Education that was debate related, where um, you had two people that hold, you know, respectable opposing positions on a topic and, and with a moderator, and have them debate. I would love to see presentations like that. So the DLF, which is the parent organization, the DLF NY Designers Lighting Forum, which is the parent organization of education, has a program every year in February called the debate. It oh. just passed. Oh man. Yep, we do that every year. And what we try to do is we pair up people and we try to give them the opposite of what they would want to talk about. <laughs> So if somebody's heavily in favor of controls, we would make them say why controls aren't good. You know, so it's really great program. It's I think maybe it's been going on about well over five years now. It's a great program, and it's we do it every year. But I'll tell debate. you something. It is. It really it's a great debate. Um, it is. It, we because Wendy and I try very hard not to color what gets submitted um if someone listening to this podcast would like to put that in as a submission you know mm. it's it's three people or something whatever it is and it's you know the moderator and pro and anti something or you know whatever it is um we would absolutely consider that well, we kind of had a debate that one year, I think it was maybe two years ago, when we had that whole slew of people sitting and everybody was talking about different things. That is true. That is yes. true. There's nothing like it a good, well. nothing like a moderated discussion. That's a, mo that's a moderated discussion, right? So you have a, a moderator and you have four or five people. I've seen some fireworks go off in those, man, um, at other oh, events. Yeah. You know, those can oh, get yeah. pretty tight. You know, I did. There were uh, fireworks in the audience participation on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that was that was the second time they had done that, right? That group of people had done it at the previous IES conference, the the annual conference, and I was in the audience for that, and I thought it was fantastic. And I immediately grabbed them all as a group and said, "Great, now submit this for education." <laughs> they did, and it was yeah, you're right. It was. 
that kind of thing is fantastic. But that absolutely 100% does not translate into a virtual format, right? That has to be live. Unless it's on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. <laughs> Unless. That <laughs> happens with me all the time, brother. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. <laughs> you know, he, he, at we the end of the day. He... We have another program that we've been trying to do for two years now that can only be done live. So we're that one's still sitting on the back burner because it's kind of a show and tell thing. And you just, it would never translate up with mm, a camera because sure. it's about color and it just doesn't right. work on camera. Right. So we're waiting for that one for in person. Look, humans like to watch other humans fight, whether that's in a cage, in a ring, on a stage with microphones, <laughs> whatever it is. Humans love to watch conflict, but there's no conflict over at Satco, Greg. Satco.com. S A T C O.com, brother. The light thing, right thing, people. The gangsters down in New York. What's going on with them? Well, I'll tell you that. Some conflict I had when I first started in lighting was when somebody wanted a decorative fixture and they asked me to figure it out. I spent hours trying to figure it out. I'm not a decorative fixture type of person, but I, I would send them all these links and how about this one? Oh, this one, this one. Pricing, availability of it all. And I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? You figure it out. You figure out the look, then you tell me. And that's what Sadco's website can do. You can go on their collections tab and it actually gives you the overview of the, of the look and the style of these decorative fixtures. They tell you that, then I can deal with you. Otherwise, I don't want to deal with you. That's how I do it. Sacco Nouveau, folks. Go to satco.com. That's right, the gangsters down in New York. And uh, Wendy and Craig, say bye to everybody that's been listening. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank thank you to your audience. And uh, put in those submissions for Leducation next time. So you got to check out Leducation. And, of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's nild.org. That's right. Get associated. If you're a lighting distributor, electrical distributor, what are you thinking about? Go to nail.org. And of course, if you made it to the end of the show, hey, we've got nothing but love for you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>